0: You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi friends and welcome to The Spirit. I'm back. (laughs) Well, this is going in. Sorry, everybody. And with me, Steph.
1: Because she's like, do you want a seltzer? Okay. (laughs) And then it all comes out when... (laughs)
0: That's podcasting 101. You should not be drinking bubbly drinks.
1: But that's all she has besides natural water. Any new news today, Steph? Not today, but I know a few days ago, um, was it Prince Philip died? Yeah. And uh, I know, don't. He's... I don't even really care about that, should I? Well, the one thing that really I thought was kind of funny, and this might be kind of rude to somebody that just died, but I've seen many clips of him talking about how the world is overpopulated. And there's a lot of powerful people out there that would like to reduce that number in some way. So I just want to thank Prince Phil for dying. Yeah. So one less
0: <laughs> bastard on the planet. But today's show is about amazing animals. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I am an animal lover. You're an animal lover. Did you know which animals have the strongest psychic abilities?
1: I'm going to guess um, Horses. Ooh, good guess. Cats. Yep. Giraffes. (laughs) I don't know after that.
0: Well, we have cats, of Mm -hmm. course, and they have access to the spirit world. In ancient Egypt cats were revered. They were godlike. They were indispensable. Dream interpretation. In ancient history, cats were known to be able to move from this world to the spirit world with ease. As far as having access to the spirit world was concerned, it wasn't always a great time for cats. There was also a time where cats were regarded as familiars of witches, and when their owners were persecuted and done away with, their helpless cats were also killed.
1: That's not nice.
0: Historically, cats were considered magical, and even up to the present, people still think of cats especially gifted with psychic abilities. So if you live in an area where there's natural disasters like earthquakes and floods, you probably have noticed how cats behave before disasters take place. Their body assumes it's like fight or flight mode with their ears pointing backwards and their hair standing on end, especially their tails, even when there's no enemy in sight. They will also cry and howl without a clear reason. It's their way of warning you that something bad is about to happen. There have been recorded instances of cats warning their owners to check their own health needs when their owners had something wrong with them. And of course, cats are on record like dogs for giving hints when someone is about to die. And we're going to go into those stories as well. It's called premonition. So cats have premonition. Now, dogs, they say, have telepathy. Have you noticed how dogs typically know when their owner is close to arriving home? Have yes. you noticed how they'll pace and position themselves near the gate or the main door or even stare off into the distance as if they were psychically seeing their master on their way home? Have you noticed the moods of dogs changing according to the moods of their owner? If you're depressed, the chances are your first encounter with each other on that day, your pet is going to be as depressed as you. It's very frequent, and it's called empathy the ability to feel what another is feeling without using the sense of sight, smell, or hearing. It's an exceptional kind of empathy based on the exchange of psychic energy signals, and that's amazing. And Steph, as you said, horses. Now, horses have an uncanny sense of direction. Even when they're taken to distant and unfamiliar territories, if needed, they can still find their way back home. In fact, horses share this ability with dogs and some birds, such as pigeons. Now, some say the heightened sense of smell in these animals, their keen understanding of movements of the sun, is what provides them with that radar-like homing abilities. But some people don't feel that's the case. Dogs, horses, and pigeons can still find their way back home, even when it's rainy, and we know rain would hide to odors, or when it's cloudy and the sun is nowhere to be seen. So horses have intuition dolphins have clairsentience.
1: They kind of remind me of dogs. Dolphins? Yeah, in a, in a way. They're very playful and it's amazing to me that in the wild they want to interact with people. Yeah,
0: they bond with people. Their affinity for humans is so strong that they know when people and other sea dwelling creatures are in life-threatening situations and they'll go out of their way to help them. How do they know? Well, there was a case of a man who was bitten by a shark Dolphins are dolphins and humans are humans, two different species entirely. And yet dolphins knew that they should help this man. And why did they even care to help? It was Claire's sentience. And the dolphins could sense this man's physical, mental, and emotional conditions when he was in danger. And then they responded accordingly. So the animal with the strongest psychic abilities? I don't really know if there's an answer to that because they all seem to
1: have... And these are only human observations, and we're limited to know exactly, I think, what they really know. I don't know how long ago they banned uh, whale hunting, but in the Sea of Cortez, which is like in Southern California area, for uh, many years they hunted whales there, and it was so bad because the whales, they never attacked people. But when they were being hunted, they knew they were being hunted, so when they saw even the smallest boat. But they whales all, are
0: so smart.
1: Yeah, they would all attack the boat. And since they had cut down, or they they stopped the hunting of whales, that behavior of the whales towards the people changed. And now they're friendly again. And you can see that there was, it's almost like they had to defend themselves for experiencing that. Very, very intelligent. Recently I saw a video where a woman was scuba diving and there was a huge whale in the water. Or she was snorkeling, I can't remember, but it was probably scuba diving. She's, like, kind of observing this big whale, and she's in awe, and all of a sudden this big whale starts pushing her, with, you know, with his head, and she thought she was being attacked by the whale, and come to find out there was a white shark there, and the whale was trying to get her away, and when she realized that she couldn't believe it, she's like, this whale saved my life, possibly. And the whale probably could have picked up on the shark's energy, too, like, maybe he really knew, all right, this shark's going to go after her, just by feeling it in the water, and, and saved her. My dog, though, I mean, I, we told everyone that my my dog had passed away, and he was the sweetest thing. But if I was throwing up sick in the morning, he still wanted me to take him outside.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I they still like, have oh, their needs.
1: Why? They I'm still so have sick. to go
0: potty, stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you would think he'd be like, I'll give you the day off today. Just let me out. Yeah, he'd never come back.
0: Well, I was going through my chemotherapy, and I was really sick. I thought I was dying. I was in this really bad depression, and I was scared I was going to die. And my dog would not leave my side. He would put his head on my chest and lay with me and just lay with me and lay with me. And he's really super connected to me. But it was amazing to me because he would actually perch above me and watch over me through the whole process, week after week that I would go through the treatments. It would be like, oh, my God, I'm dying. I'd look up and my dog would be looking down at me just like, I love you. And there was a point where he was laying on me and it was almost as if he was pulling something out of me. I don't know if it was a pain or fear or what, but he started acting lethargic and strange. And I got scared by letting him too close that he was pulling the disease from me. And I was afraid I'm going to kill my dog because he's trying to take this away from me. And I've heard many stories about that. I've heard stories of people that were ill and their dogs stayed with them. They might've been battling cancer and the animal ended up dying from cancer. And the human went into a remission. They took upon themselves the disease that lied within their owners, which is unconditional love. It's it's the highest form of love that that can be.
1: Well, Emma de Guzman, the mystic that I know, she had this friend. His name is Bill. I won't say his last name, but he's he, was, he um, had a dog that he really really loved. It ended up getting cancer. Well, he had cancer, and he was seemed to be healed, and all of a sudden the dog got cancer. And she had told him that God allowed the illness to pass into the animal. It had to go somewhere. Like it, something had to be, for whatever God's reasons were, this was in his plan, but it, it went to the dog instead. So I always looked at that. I'm like, wow, even the dogs are taking on these types of things for us, you yeah. know, not just other people. So I, I was amazed and by that. Animals.
0: I mean, my cat, when I would cry, it would come right to me and lay with me. I could be watching a movie about something that would make me cry, and he'd come to me. He'd run from across the house just to come and lay with me. It was amazing. There are animals that can predict disaster, right? Like cats. They know when there's natural disasters. But did you know flamingos can, too?
1: I think a lot more than just a few. I almost think, especially the ones that live in nature, they're not just your house pets, Mm -hmm. really know.
0: Well, in 2004... There was a tsunami during Boxing Day that hit the Asian coastlines. And the flamingos were among the first species to notice that something was wrong. And they abandoned their low-lying breeding areas for higher ground before the giant waves made the fatal impact. Elephants. They're another species that seems to be able to predict earthquakes. They can feel the sound vibrations through the ground. And the giant land mammals, they've been spotted lifting one foot into the air to listen more intently with the other feet. But what about bees? While common rain is rarely considered a natural disaster for humans, it's a different matter for the fragile bee. The clever pollen gatherers are able to detect moisture changes in the atmosphere before the heavens open, allowing them to find shelter and avoid being washed away by a heavy storm. Cows. The same Japanese earthquake that caused cats to act cranky also seems to have been predicted by cows, who showed Lower milk production six days before the disaster. Elsewhere, a New York City dairy farmer reported a 90% correlation between a decrease in milk production and the onset of an earthquake. Sharks? Rather than running away from scary storms, sharks seem to gravitate towards them. Tiger sharks in particular are good at detecting rapid temperature changes that occur when a storm intensifies that scientists are data-tagging them with the hope that they can improve storm forecasts by up to 20%. Dogs, and that's related to their smell. So they they basically can smell things that are changing around them.
1: Dogs can smell cancer. They train them to smell cancer. Very true. And there was a story I just heard the other day from someone at work that they went to go to the hospital... To visit someone and someone had their cancer dog cancer smelling dog there and the dog kept on going to the person that was visiting and wouldn't stop and the person who owned the dog that was a trainer said, You need to go to the doctors tomorrow. Yeah, there's
0: something up. And it
1: ended up having cancer.
0: Sometimes the pets know us better than we know ourselves. And the connection of our well being could be considered a second sight for them. So such in the case for Lisa, who wrote a psychic pet story about her corgi named Cassie. Cassie ate Lisa's prescription sunglasses one day. Without prescription glasses to wear while driving, Lisa had to make a long overdue appointment with an eye doctor. She hadn't had her eyes checked in two years. So imagine her surprise when the doctor told her she had two growths on the back of her eyes. Apparently the growths had been there for about a year and were prevented from being flushed out of her system because of medication she was on. If she had waited any longer the growths would have caused her to lose her eyesight.
1: Wow. My grandfather ended up taking uh, his brother's dog that died with my, my great uncle. So when he died, his dog Toby went to my grandfather, and he just had him for a couple weeks. But he was familiar with him, and he was a really smart dog. So he drove to the veteran Cemetery to visit his brother for the first time at his grave. And uh, when Toby was in the car, he started howling before he got there. And, of course, he's never taken him there before. So Toby's howling and getting, you know, all upset. And the moment he opened the door, he wanted to, you know, put his leash on him and Mm -hmm. take him out. He darted and took off. So then he thought, great, how am I going to get him back? He's like, well, I'll just go to the, the grave site. And when he got there, the dog was already there. And he'd never been there before. He went. Beelined right towards his his owner's, you know, my uncle's grave.
0: Wow. Animals are amazing. There's a story of a baboon that worked as a railroad signalman. Have you heard of this? No. Monkeys shouldn't be involved with public transportation, but Jack the Chacma Baboon is an exception. In the 1880s, Jack was purchased by a South African dude named uh, James Eden Wide. This guy worked as a railroad signalman. Although he had a rough time getting around because he'd lost his legs in an accident. Wide trained Jack to push him around in a trolley. He also taught his monkey pal to keep his house clean. But Jack's biggest accomplishment came to when he figured out how to run an entire train station. Whenever these old-timey trains approached, they'd start blowing their whistles, and the number of whistles blown indicated which track they needed to go down. Before Jack showed up, Wide had been the one changing the tracks, but the baboon quickly learned how to operate the levers. Soon, he was totally in charge of making sure that the locomotives got where they needed to go. According to Mental Floss, railway managers even tested the little guy to see if it was safe to have a monkey manning the switches, and Jack passed with flying colors. As a result, Jack was paid 20 cents a day, plus a half a bottle of beer each week, half a bottle because you don't want to give the monkey in charge of changing tracks a whole bottle of booze, And with those paychecks coming in, Jack worked as a signal monkey for nearly a decade before finally throwing his last lever in 1890.
1: Now, did you see the video I sent you about the Neuralink? Not yet. Okay, you have to watch that. It's scary, but it's amazing. So they implanted microchips in this chimp's brain. This is all coming from the Elon Musk Yeah, I know about Neuralink, but I didn't watch the video. So they trained the monkey how to play Pong every time it would... Basically, get the you know it looks like two two uh, rectangle shaped like <laughs> I don't know it how to looks explain like pong. it looks like two s- straight up slashes. Yeah, and a little tiny dot that's almost acts like a tennis ball, and it's like you're playing tennis in a way with like a video game. So they taught it to play pong, and every time it would learn how to get the ball, they would give it like a banana or something, right? So once they implanted the the chips, were actually reading his uh, mind in a way like kind of analyzing its mind, knowing how it works, how he was being able to hit it. So then it could take over. Okay, this is a scary part. So he, he learned how to play Pong, which is an amazing thing in itself. But with the chips in his head, they unplugged the joystick. Uh-huh. And he thought he was still playing, playing. it. He was doing it with his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing Pong with his mind. And I was blown away by this, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what is this world coming to? <laughs> and now they have this poor monkey addicted to video games. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> the Addict's
0: Antelope. Have you ever wished you could change your hair color without the use of expensive dyes? Oh, yeah. Well, the Addict's Antelope can't. This lady herself gives a new mane. Whenever the seasons change, she's white in the summer to reflect the heat of the sun. Then she turns grayish brown in the winter to help herself stay warm. And both the male and female antelopes have horns, so they're kind of hard to tell apart, but
1: that's kind of cool, right? Well, it seems that they're so sensitive that when those changes occur, it creates their triggers something in their bodies to do that. I know like sharks are very sensitive in their nose area and they pick up all the electromagnetic fields. Right. And they normally don't ever get lost. You can, they did all these tests where they put them in some area and they'd end up coming back to the same area again every day and it's kind of amazing. And they they know how to follow this for the season. Same thing with elephants. Elephants will go on these long journeys and it all happens at certain times. Like, how the heck do they know to do this? But it's the uh, electromagnetic stuff that they pick up on.
0: Well, then you've got the lyre birds. Are they called lyra birds? Lyre bird? Now, you've seen those. I know you have. Those are those Birds that make sounds like car alarms and Mm
1: chainsaws—they mimic it. Yeah,
0: the meerkats can look directly at the sky and see far distances. They can see predators from very far.
1: I think it shows to us, though, what is out there, which I think nature has provided. Which we should have all these. Right? Why is it so blocked? Why don't we have these
0: abilities? Well, maybe the neural link. I think that they're. Yeah, I know.
1: I think that they're there. We just don't take the time, I think, to discover.
0: Some of them them. aren't. Like the spiny mouse. Have you heard of the spiny mouse? I don't think so. Okay, well, the spiny mouse is kind of a wolverine of the animal kingdom. He's a little mouse, but he can discard chunks of his own skin to release himself from a predator's clutches. Wow. So he can get rid of cartilage, fur, and even his sweat glands once they're removed and regrow them back. And he's a cute little fella. Oh, The scarlet jellyfish turns herself back into a polyp when she's injured. She can actually go back into like a juvenile and regrow. It's almost like she has, uh, well, she has a cycle of 12 times that she can do this.
1: They're only she's?
0: Uh, Well, they're calling her a she, so I don't know. And then you've got the hippo. They've adapted to the harsh African sun by secreting a red substance that resembles sweat, but it's actually an oily fluid that evaporates to help cool the body. And it also works as an antibiotic, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen all in one.
1: That's where I get my moisturizer from. Oh, me too. I love
0: my hippo (laughs) sunscreen. (laughs) The opossums, they play dead when they're under attack. And they come equipped with a peptide that neutralizes snake venom. So this is why they can eat snakes and not get sick. Wow. Dolphins, while they're sleeping these ocean mammals only shut down about half of their brain activity. So they regain energy and rest while they literally they're leaving one eye open to watch their surroundings. I wish I could do that. When I'm out, the aliens can come get me because I don't know what's going on when I finally (laughs) hit that sleep state.
1: Because I'm Catholic, I I know a lot of stories from the saints that they had really amazing things that happened to them with animals. So I thought I'd share a few of those. And uh, if anyone has heard of Saint Rock.
0: Yeah, I know about the rock. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he was a saint yet, but I wouldn't doubt it at this point. People love him.
1: So he was born in Montpellier in the south of France in 1300. Wow, that's a long time ago. He was the son of a very wealthy family. And when his parents died and he was 20 years old, he sold all his possessions, distributed the money among the poor, and went on a pilgrimage to Rome to visit shrines. At the time, the Typhus Plague broke out in Italy, and many people died. St. Roch then dedicated himself to caring for the most abandoned. Many managed to get a cure just by making the sign of the Holy Cross on their forehead. While in Piacenza, working in one of the hospitals, the saint contracted the deadly disease himself. And since he did not want to be a burden on any hospital, he decided to go live in a forest setting in a cave. (laughs) I know this sounds more like a myth. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, you can't trust that from the 1500s.
1: Well, there's one that I have that's more about but I'll, okay. I'll continue just okay. so they can hear. So when his body was filled with black spots and ulcers and he was already weak on the verge of death, a dog fed him and took care of him miraculously. A dog that lived in one of those most important houses in the city began to take bread from his master's table every day and bring it to the forest to give it to St. Rock. And that's why he's represented with a dog in his images, because the, Saint, or the dog basically saved his life. Hmm. St. Francis of Assisi, which a lot of people know about, whether you're Catholic or not, he seems to be in a lot of people's lawn ornaments. Yeah. (laughs) One day he saw that a certain boy had captured many turtle doves and was taking them to sell. And the saint, who felt special tenderness for meek animals looking at the doves with compassionate eyes, told the boy to give them to him, arguing that in sacred scripture they represent chaste, humble, and faithful souls and it was important that they not end up into cruel hands that would kill them. The boy gave them to him, and St. Francis began to speak with them sweetly. He made nests for all of them. They were domesticated, and they began to lay eggs and brood in full view of the Franciscan brothers. They lived like a family with St. Francis and other brothers, not leaving until St. Francis gave them permission for his blessing. And it is famous one day that St. Francis wanted to preach, but the chirping of the birds would not stop. So the saint asked them to be silent, and they complied and listened attentively to his sermon. And when he finished his preaching and exhortation, he made the sign of the cross over his winged listeners to bless them, and they launched themselves into the air, exhaling wonderful songs scattering in all directions. Do you know what they were singing? Um, nope.
0: <laughs> they were singing, When doves cry.
1: <laughs> well, I went to Assisi, and the doves are still there. Not the original, but they've always kept on reproducing. And there's a statue of St. Francis that's inside of a, a church. Mm-hmm. And the birds live there, and they made a nest in the hands of the statue, and they just continue to constantly live there. And they're white, too. I tried to pick one up, and it walked away from me. Well, Didn't you're not
0: St. Stuff of Assisi.
1: <laughs> they should have known I had good intentions. I wouldn't have done anything to them.
0: This is a really cool story. I'm here today because of my cat. I just arrived home from school as an 11-year-old. Nobody was home. The cat always trotted towards the kitchen since I always fed her as soon as I got home. That day, I just bought a giant gobstopper. It was in the 80s. You remember those things? Mm -hmm. Those things were huge. Like, you couldn't even put them all in your mouth. And somehow, I inhaled this thing about three steps inside the house. The cat halfway trotted to the kitchen and heard me make the weird sound of a giant ball of candy lodged in my throat and stopped to turn around and look at me. He then looked me straight in the eye, very focused, like I knew I was fucked. I couldn't breathe in. I couldn't cough. And I hadn't learned the self-Heimlich maneuver yet. You know, throwing yourself on a chair back. I sort of sat heavily on the nearby couch, starting to panic. Well, the cat, with the very focused stare still in effect, charged at me, full cat sprint, jumped hard on my stomach, and out popped the gobstopper. I started sort of crying from the release of stress. The cat started purring and curled up on my lap. She saved her boy.
1: Wow, that's really amazing. Because we were talking about St. Rock, and that was a long time ago. This Mm -hmm. is uh, St. Don Bosco. He's from Italy, and he was like from the mid-1850s. During that time period, he had a walk sometimes long distances from one place to another, and there was a lot of like bandits and bad people along the way. There was a lot of poverty going on there. That's why he had opened up, he called it oratory, but it was a uh, like a home for, for boys because there were so many kids that were, their families were and so impoverished, there was a lot of street kids. So he was inspired to make boys' homes. So he had to go to and from a place, and he was constantly being attacked. And one day, a giant dog appeared out of nowhere, Everyone was afraid of this dog because he was huge. The way they describe him, it sounds like an Irish wolfhound. Okay. I don't know how that would be in Italy if they, that happened, you know. Most people thought it was mystical because they're like, that is the most unusual dog they've ever seen. It almost looked like a wolf, but it was humongous. And he was startled by it. But everywhere he went, it was his companion, and then he'd go away. And he was saved on many occasions. He, at one point, he actually got attacked by like multiple people and they threw like a a hood or something over his head and started strangling him dog came out of nowhere and the people were so scared he knocked the dog knocked one of them down and they begged please get your dog away from us and he said he goes i'll I'll let him go if you let me go they just kind of made an agreement and he let him go so that happened several times and at one point the dog this is what's happening for years that the people are like this dog should be dead by now it's been, like, over, you know, the dog's life. And he said, well, maybe he's the son of the dog. You know, like, he couldn't figure it out, too. Maybe, you know. And he never knew where it came from. It would always just show up, and that would be his companion. Finally, for a long time, didn't show up. And he thought, oh, it must have died. It must have been. And then, at one point, he needed him in a bad situation, with similar with, the, the, you know, the bad people. And he called his name, and... It showed up. So this is a supernatural dog. I think so. Okay. You know, and a lot of people do, but he said it seemed real to him. Hmm. And I don't know, where he hadn't seen him for years. And then boom, he's right there. So I don't know. I think that's a cool story.
0: I was living with myself and my two pets, a cat and a dog. Now the dog barks at everything and the cat never gives a shit about anyone or anything. I was asleep. I hear my dog barking. He shuts up after 30 seconds. I try to fall asleep again. After two minutes, my dog starts barking again like crazy. I go down to tell him to shut up. When I get down there, there's a frickin' burglar on the bookshelf. Ski mask and all. On the floor lies a gun. Beneath the bookshelf is my dog barking and jumping up after him. On the couch sits my cat, looking like he found my tuna stash. I call the police. They arrest the guy. I give my dog a sausage for being a good boy. A couple days later, a guy calls from the station. During the interrogation, the burglar admitted that he broke into my house, kicked my cat, and then lured my dog into a closet. My dog jumped on him. Two minutes later, the burglar didn't even know my dog could open doors. He can't. My cat being the king of the house, though, he taught himself to come and go as he pleases. So my cat must have become pissed off because he got kicked in the stomach, and he released my dog out of the closet so he could attack the burglar. He says, my cat is a motherfucker. <laughs> and he added animal cruelty to the charges.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Do you ever see the videos where they test their dogs to see it? They fake a burglar yeah, entrance? Yeah, I've done it. And and the, I've tested yeah, my the dogs. Yeah, the dogs get scared. A lot of them get scared. The yeah. Big, the big ones. And it's the little ones. That are, are like, like little chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little wiener dog, you know, when I was a teenager and he definitely would have done it, but like Snoopy the Beagle.
0: I put a ski mask on with the beaks and they were in their crates, like resting. And I quietly snuck in and I jumped around the door with the ski mask on. I went, and one of my dogs, the boy, he went, and the girl was like, and I was like, wow. So I know which one has my back here. The little 13 inch girl. <laughs> she tops out at 13 inches in height. <laughs> that's funny.
1: St. Gertrude of Nivelle, Nivelles, 626 AD. So that's one's pretty long. But she's a patron saint of cats. I guess she was um, known for offering hospitality to animals as well as people. She was kind to the cats that hung around her monastery and offering, offering them food and affection. It's nice. Oh. So they made her the patron saint of cats. Let's see. What is that? There's a train.
0: I know. It's a ghost train. We've got the ghost train full of animals. <laughs> I have a blind, born with fucked up eyes, 150 pound of solid muscle American bulldog. He loves everyone. If he hears a new voice, the love wiggles begin. He's just a huge lover dog. He sleeps with my four year old every night. He gets along with my cat and my other dogs. Just a giant sweetheart. Well, a work buddy of mine gave me a ride home once, invited him in for a bit. We walk in. My pup starts his love wiggles and stops. His ears fall. His tail droops. His expression changes from his usual happy-go-lucky self into the dog he looks like, a vicious monster. Well, he bares his teeth. He starts growling at my buddy. And when my son walked into the room, he went nuts. He lunged at my buddy, snarling, teeth bared, What the fuck? He never acts like this, ever. I was so confused and embarrassed. My buddy leaves. I scold my pup. Life goes on. Fast forward a few months and it turns out the buddy of mine from work is arrested for possession of kitty porn. Wow. My blind beast who loves everyone somehow knew to hate this guy. He instinctively disliked him. And when my son came into the room, he went into protect mode and tried to get the guy.
1: That's really cool. I wish they could uh, come up with teams of dogs and train them to uh, attack all crazy perverts. (laughs) Just let them loose. Yeah, man. My brother had this idea for a restaurant. Maybe you'll think this is funny. He just thought this was so funny that this is the theme of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you go in and you're eating, you're dining. But then these little doors open, and everyone puts their plates on the floor, and they're finished. And wiener dogs come in and lick their plates, and then they they're done, and then they exit through little tiny doors. Hopefully, they actually <laughs> wash the dishes after that. But yeah, yeah, they'll be steamed, high temperature.
0: It'd be good for like rescues to come in, and wouldn't
1: that be cute though? It's like like imagine like a hundred dachshunds like storming. But they can't have any restaurant.
0: onions and certain things that would kill them. Yeah, so that have... wouldn't be on the menu. Probably. Right, it'd have to be all animal friendly foods. Yeah. <laughs> I made a crow friend while smoking on the porch. I gave it fragments of whatever food I could find on my way out. One day, I found an empty pack of marbs on the porch. Puzzled, I threw it away. A few days later, I found my crow bro standing behind three empty packs of cigarettes. I tried to pick them up to throw them away, but the crow bro was protecting them for some reason. Frustrated, but I gave a small chunk of meat as I took another drag. As I gave him the meat, the crow picked up one of the packs and placed it in front of me. Then it hit me. The crow was trading with me. The trade went on for a few more times until the winter hit Minnesota. I came upon some crows at an animal reserve with uh, some friends of ours. And we thought we were tripping at first, but the crows were going, Hello! Hello! Hi there! Hi! (laughs) And we were like, Are we? Is this? And we go, Hi! And they go, Hi! And we're like, I didn't know crows could talk. Did you?
1: Yeah, I guess they can. There's also... um... They kinda of look like a crow, not a raven, but it's like a grack or is it a grackle or Yeah,
0: they're small. They're little bastards too.
1: Yeah, I've seen them kill other birds, right? At bird- I call them krakens. Krakens. <laughs> the grackles. But there's something out there that looks like a crow that they have a really they you can teach them to talk. But they might be able to learn it just through observing, you know. Huh. Interesting. But like the the African grey parrots, they've they can have like vocabularies of like fifteen hundred to two thousand words. And they say they're psychic. When people own them, they'll they'll say, okay, I was thinking about something, and then my bird said it. Wow. And so they they, they tried to test it, and they made the person look at images to see if he would repeat. You know, they put him in another room. And that didn't work because it, they said it's almost like it's not natural for a person. Like, we don't know how these psychic events ha- really happen. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at something, it might be changing whatever it is going on inside you. So it wasn't really working when she'd look at an image. It was They were hoping that the the bird would yeah pick up on it. It was only when the person was really thinking it in a strong way, because it was more connected to her in a stronger Intuitive, way. Intuitive, yeah. That's when it would pop through, and the bird would know it and Amazing. would say Amazing. And then for a while, because um who is the one that uh, visits the gorillas? Is it Jane all or is it no yeah, gorilla's think, in the mist yeah or whatever. I, think, I, I think she so. was gonna visit this person that owned the african gray parrot she was preparing the parrot for her coming over she played videos for him all day long and like this is jane and baba blah, blah. so i guess before she was coming the bird was like saying things like jane coming but you know like repeating things and he knew yeah and it's just weird, you know, like...
0: Birds are strange, though. I mean, have you... They can you
1: ever... dance to the music. They dance. I know.
0: My cousin had a cockatoo? Cockatiel? I don't know what they're called. They're Cockatiels the white ones.
1: Smaller are Cockat- smaller. I think cockatoos are the, the white ones. Yeah, the, the white
0: ones. Well, this little guy was weird, and he took a liking to me. And I would work on the computer all the time and whistle, and he would whistle back. Not the same song. Like, he would make up his own song. I. It was so cool. So him and I would go back and forth. I'd make up a little jam. And he would whistle back. And then I realized this bird really likes me. So I took the bird out of the cage and I sat on the couch with him and he laid on my bosom and put his head down like he was loving me and letting me pet him. And then it started freaking me out. So I put him back. (laughs) I was like, I think he thinks he's my boyfriend. I don't know what's happening here because he really was, like, loving it. He was like, I want to snuggle with her.
1: Well, they lo- they bond with people really strongly. And um, normally I think if I were to have birds, I'd get two so that they could be together. Yeah. My friend had a um, cockatoo, and he was a really great bird. He lived a long time, like yeah, 30-some yeah. years. And when her son was born, something happened to it because something in the family dynamic changed because of the new baby co- coming. And he became aggressive and he was like mental after that. He never changed. And she, she he wanted only, to be the baby. I think so. I think because everything shifted away from him and he yeah. lost something, whatever it was in his mind. So she had to deal with a crazy bird for And they a do long time. get crazy because oh, yeah, he was a biter. I took care of a uh, starling for about three weeks. Loved this bird so much. I, I really, really wanted to keep it secretly, but I was kind of training it so it would go off on its own. But I found it in in my apartment building, we had in our bathroom these vents that go to the outdoors, and the birds could fit through the slots of the vents, and then they were making nests yeah. in the ceiling. And in our bathroom it had like one of those, I don't know what you call it, it's like a tile type thing, but you can move them up. You can remove them. Yeah. It's like a grid pattern. And yeah, I know re- what you're talking about. Really cheap ass, like Yeah, awful they're terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and I heard it up there. I thought it was a mouse at first, because it sounded like scratching. And I opened it, and I saw him sitting on the edge, and he was all fluffy. It was a little bye-bye. Yeah, and I took him, was like, oh, and I was so, like, enamored, like, right away. So I started taking care of him, and then I saw, like, within a week, he had all his feathers, couldn't fly yet, and I'd let the water run in my sink, and he would hop around in the sink and, like, take his little bath. <laughs> he had the most joyous morning calls. He would do this at 4 in the morning. So that was really annoying to hear that. <laughs> and i had like a little dog crate and i put blankets in there and that was his place that he stayed at night but i never closed the door cuz i i wanted him to be free so i'll have to open so in the morning he'd start singing in there and then he'd hop over to me and on top of my head and he'd peck at my head to wake up and i just thought this was the, it was like 3 weeks of pure joy with <laughs> this animal so i was trying to figure out what to feed him and how to teach him i really thought he was not be able to adjust to the outside so i took him outside and i saw a whole bunch of starlings they're probably related because this is his but area but would they take
0: him after you've touched him and everything
1: i don't think so because he tried to fly to them and i felt bad i felt like a mom that's got a kid with like spe- you know like special needs or well something. Yeah,
0: yeah you're not supposed to really touch them and because that's it
1: yeah and and seeing like imagine if your own kid got rejected by a group of kids yeah. and you witnessed it how bad you, that's how i felt so he flies over the starlings, and they just scatter like they're terrified of him. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do, and I felt so bad. I used to take him to work with me. I was doing landscaping, and I'd keep him on my shoulder. He'd hold on, and I'd be, like, digging and hammering or whatever I was doing, and he'd hold on. Or I'd let him put the sprinkler on. He loved the water, and he'd go play in the sprinkler. A few times I found him, and he was soaked right to the bone with water. I thought they had, like, watery pollen. I'm like, he doesn't know how to, to oil his feathers. I was getting really concerned, you know? And I had to dry him off. He looked so cute. I, I'm telling you, it was the cutest thing I ever saw. This so, better
0: have a good <clears throat> ending,
1: stuff. Well, I did Because
0: otherwise I'm going to kick your ass. If you. If then he died, he <laughs> got eaten alive because I pet him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he was getting more where he was being more independent. I left my window. If I went away and and I, would, I couldn't stay there, I'd leave my window wide open so he could go. Never left. And so one day I was taking him to work and I used to have to take the bus and I'd have him in a cage, like a. Or a little, my little dog carrier, and the bus driver loved it. He's like, that is so cute. And then when I get to the street I was going to, and I walk down the street, I take him out, put him on my shoulder, and he always would stay with me. But then the last time I saw him, he just flew straight up into the air and never came back. And I used to look for him here, and I thought maybe he knows where he lives and he'll come back. But there's so many starlings everywhere. Right. And I'd call his name. The coolest thing that ever happened with him. This was probably a few days before he left. I was at one time I was going to daily mass, you know, every day and I, no one would help me take care of him. So I would take him with me to the church and then put him in a tree outside the church and I'd say, stay here and I'll be back. So I get out of the church. All these people are getting out and I call his name. I named him Noah. I said, Noah. And I could hear him up in the tree and like, come here. And he flew right in front of a bunch of people on top of my head. And the people saw it and thought I was freaking St. Francis.
0: (laughs) And there you have it, folks. Amazing animals. I want to thank everyone. (laughs) I want to thank all our listeners for your continuous support. And you know how to get a hold of us. And if all the beasts were gone, men would die from a great loneliness of spirit. For whatever happens to the beasts also happens to the man. All things are connected. Whatever befalls the earth befalls the sons of earth. That's from Chief Seattle.
1: Chief Seattle? <laughs> bye, guys. Bye.
0: <laughs> to the spirit podcast Supernatural Science. alien. In- oh, yeah. I'm ghost I'm ghost I'm
1: ghost, I'm ghost
0: Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine Source. Heaven. The
1: dead. It's magic. It's magic.